Ron Polk, number one in your program, number one in your heart, joining us right now live on the, the radio. Coach Polk, good morning to you. Good morning. It wasn't a bucket. It was a chair, Matt. Oh, it was and, a chair. Uh, and two, you said a beautiful day for baseball. If you like 92 degrees, it's hot out here. And we're in the shade. Thank you for doing that. And, yeah. uh, but it's uh, nothing unusual for the SEC tournament to be hot. Now, we used to have it for a couple of years at the New Orleans Superdome, which was nice, air-conditioned. Wow. In my first several years, we we had it at host site, so it's been... But, you know, you get the end of May, June, uh, you feel bad for the plate umpire, you feel bad for the catcher, It's uh, especially the afternoon ball game. Thankfully, the humidity is not too bad, but it's not very comfortable right now yeah. for those kids. You know, it's uh, and that's the thing, too. We we don't have much breeze, but it's kind of a warm breeze, I guess, coming out of the south, but uh, bright, sunny skies. Ron Polk on your radio as we start our week with you live from Hoover. We'll be here all week at the Hoover Met SEC Baseball Tournament. Coach, uh, what's it like to come back and, and see it and watch the games, but maybe not in a coaching capacity? Well, you know, I've been retired uh, for, actually, well, I'm not retired. I was at UAB for 12 years with one of my former coaches, Brian Shook, who's a volunteer mm-hmm. coach. And, you know, we went to Conference USA tournament uh, a few times. And But I always tried to get back here as much as I could since I, I lived in Birmingham, kept a home in Starkville, drove back every Sunday after a practice or a game or after a road trip and went back to Starkville to my beautiful home and drove back. So I drove from Starkville to Birmingham mm. every weekend for 12 years, except in the summer when I'm up at the Cape. So I know where Gordel and Reform Alabama are. <laughs> I know where Iraq, every hill. But I always tried to get back to Hoover. Uh, sometimes we didn't go to the conference tournament at UAB, and so I came here. And the SEC has been kind enough to give me a all-access pass, I guess because I spent so many years in this conference. I got a little smoking section up in right field <laughs> under the trees there. Violation of NCAA rules. Unofficial, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, so I got a place to go. And plus, I coach in the Cape, so I got several of these kids uh, that are playing in this tournament that we we are going to get in the Cape, except the ones that might be going with a USA national team who generally takes a lot of our Cape Cod players. So looking forward to being up in the Cape in another week and a half and not sweat for two and a half months. So I was looking at this coach trying to, you know, become familiar. If I'm looking at this right, according to the Internet, the first time the SEC tournament was played here in Hoover at this stadium is 96. Okay, and so then the following year, 97, it goes to Columbus, Georgia. Mistake. <laughs> Mistake to do that? What was well, that like over there? Well, the thing is that the, the year before, Skip uh, Bergman and I were in the USA national team. We toured in the country. And one of the stops was Columbia, South, Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. And uh, and they told us that's going to where the SEC tournament is going to be next year. And Skip and I, when we got there, said, "You got to be kidding." <laughs> it was a pro ballpark. But they had one groundskeeper, a nice lady. She was by herself. Field was not in great shape, and we just thought it was a mistake to come to Columbus. Mississippi, and we played in the tournament there, and it was. I mean, it wasn't enough seats, wasn't enough places for the players to sit waiting for the game to start. It's just not a good environment. In Columbus, Georgia. Oh, excuse me, Columbus, Georgia. And it's a softball, excuse me, it's a softball capital of the world, I think. They had about 100 softball fields over our center field fence. uh, But baseball in Columbus, uh, uh, Georgia, was somewhat an afterthought. So so then we came to Hoover, and I've always said, when people say, well, how long have you been in Hoover? I said, forever, I hope. This is where the SEC is. This is, got a stadium here. Now we don't have to compete with the Birmingham 
and burn since they're playing downtown in a beautiful new stadium and regions. But, you know, they keep people keep throwing out a bid for it, bid here, bid there, and said, is this a money deal? Why? I mean, this is this is SEC baseball. Used to have a place for all the campers. You got a fun place for the kids to go and, and do activities. I mean, you got access to other fields if in case you have a rain problem when you have a double elimination tournament. You have to have a place where you can make up some ball games in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And so why would you leave Hoover? Yeah, it's it's great. I, I tell you selfishly for me too, you know, living in Mississippi, living in Tupelo, it's such an easy drive to get here. I don't have to get on a plane to come or anything like that. And then it stayed, okay? So they brought it after that SEC tournament in Columbus at 97. It returned here in 98. It's been here ever since. Well, we used to have it at whole schools. We used to host them a lot. Yeah, I uh, noticed that. I think the winner of West or East had host. And uh, so in, the, in all the years since 76 that I, I came to the SEC, I mean, we'd always have meetings in the SEC office uh, about – tournament structure that's this tournament structure has changed 50 times i mean we try to get everybody involved but then not everybody involved and and then we also dealt with uh, where we're going to where we're going to play and mm-hmm. the superdome i think on your computer was probably two or three years okay and it didn't draw that well you know it's tough except if lsu is in the tournament stayed in the tournament a long time uh but uh so we bounced around a while in the history of the SEC, but this is this is where it needs to be. I don't I don't care if someone gives them ten million dollars. They don't they don't need to leave who. Yeah, uh, Ron Polk on your radio uh, ran into Coach Polk earlier today uh, here in sort of an adjusted media area. Normally it's a little more full. This year it's a little more spread out. Fans are a little more spread out. Still dealing with some, you know, a few. Uh, COVID variations, but that's uh, we're filling in gaps pretty quickly. See, I don't see it. The you know people sitting together, maybe their family. I don't see any mask on. I don't see any mask, Coach. I'll tell you this: uh, as you were talking about it being warm earlier, uh, the shaded areas of this stadium is where everybody's sitting right now. Yeah, uh, getting out of that bright sunshine for yeah. the most part. And there's still a lot of people stuck in the sun right there, and you know it's not so bad to, from above. It's just when you're sitting in a metal seat. It's yeah, not that's very, right. Cause like sitting in into a, a, a you know, you're being executed. You know, <laughs> <laughs> shocked. <laughs> yeah, the seat's getting hot for sure. Um, I, I, watching this game earlier, I don't know. I know you've been talking. Every time I look, somebody's coming up, shaking your hand, wanting to talk baseball. But Kentucky has had plenty of chances in this game. They've out hit Florida nine to four. Had guys on base with no outs early in the ball game. Florida was able to pitch out of it. And so, I mean, that's really been it. It's been Florida's ability to pitch out of a jam or two that why they have the lead right here. Well, if they record the number of hits as the winning thing in the, in the game, then they're going to have a lot of different results. No question about timely hitting. In, the, in, a, in a tournament like this, depth of the pitching staff is huge. Timely hitting. Uh, you know, top of the order has got to produce. Bottom of the order, hopefully they can produce a little bit. Make the make the routine play every once in a while. The Kentucky guy just made an unbelievable play an inning ago. Yeah. But uh, no, it uh, it's a tough tournament. This is this is top to bottom as good as Omaha. Mm-hmm. Uh, top to bottom. And when you get the NCAA regional, sometimes you get a four seed that doesn't really have SEC capable players. They can still beat you because everybody has that number one pitcher. People always wonder why, you know, Fairfield comes down or Siena or St. John's and in the first game they, they beat someone to lose one to nothing. Well, they all have had that one pitcher. Oh. After that, it's pitching depth. It just There's no way they have a chance to, to compete. But uh, 
No, it's a, it's a tough tournament. We uh, will play the winner of this uh, game, Florida, Kentucky, tomorrow. And just talked to Chris Lamonis to getting on the bus. Just I was trying to work, help him work out a, a practice facility at UAB if they need it later in the week. <clears throat> and uh, and no, it's no fun playing ten thirty in the morning. Right. I wake up calls seven seven thirty pregame meal, but uh, you know it's. Um, it says what it is, and the thing is, as you know, in this tournament right now, the way the schedule goes, the last game never starts on time. <laughs> That's right. And I can never, I'll never forget being on right field, smoking my cigar with some parents of Mississippi State players when they played that game. What, 17, 18, or twenty innings? Seventeen innings 17 against Missouri, innings, and finished at like three in the morning. <laughs> That's right. I was out there standing for the whole ball game Were you? with Jake Magum's dad and Rowdy Jordan's dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the dads are so nervous they can't even sit in the chairs. Yeah, right. And they. Get Get bothered too by fans too, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I'm sure. But uh, that particular game, coach, uh, my dad, he lives down in South Alabama, and we're really close, but we don't get to spend as much time together as we'd like to. And this is something every year he comes up. He's here. He just got here a few minutes good. ago. He comes up. We spend the whole week together. We watch baseball when I'm not working. And that particular year, we were sitting right over there beyond the uh, visiting uh, on deck circle, a few rows up. And we stayed for all 17 innings of that game. And I will tell you, somewhere around the 13th, 14th inning, there was a play at the plate. A Mississippi State runner was called out at the plate. Dad and I were convinced he was safe. And we lit in on the umpire. We began to yell at the umpire. Nothing awful, but we let him know how wrong he was. No bad words. Okay, right. No, as far as we were concerned. But everybody in this stadium that remained at that point, I believe, could hear us on this umpire's case. So the game goes on anyway. It goes to 17 There's innings. no game review then? No, none then. They didn't have the review. Game goes on. State wins the game in 17 innings. We go back to the hotel 2 a.m., 2.30, whatever it is, go to sleep, get up the next morning. We're watching the highlights, and they showed that play. Turns out the umpire was right. Did you call the umpire and apologize? It, no. No, my excuse is I don't know him that well. Yeah, and I don't have his. Number. I don't think you tried. <laughs> but okay, Coach, I don't think you tried. I I was so. Hey, if I have had a if I had to apologize to an umpire all the years I coached, I'd be on the phone forever. <laughs> You'd have to get an extended cell phone plan or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, I got thrown, you know, now nowadays, like kid Chris Lamonis, he never gets thrown out. And the uh, reason is for replay. I mean, balls and strikes, maybe an interpretation of a rule where there's no replay involved. But I mean, there's no arguments anymore. Yeah. Right? No, there's not. You know, uh, hey, I've got a question here for no. you. We have a, an avid listener who is a big Mississippi State fan. He lives in Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, he's Jay in Baltimore. And he had a question for you. He texts the show on the Country Pleasing text line. Country Pleasing Sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the southeast. It's made right here in Mississippi uh, on Highway 49 in Florence, Mississippi at Country Meat Packers. Uh, Jay says, Coach, how did you? How did you approach the SEC tournament with your pitching staff? Were you okay with guys pitching on less days rest, and did you pitch them with a pitch limit? He's wondering how you handled it when you were coaching. Well, you want to win this tournament, but the next one's much more important. I know the commissioners in the past, Ray Kramer, Roy Kramer, and and uh, all the commissioners uh, pre pre tournament meetings said, "Hey, this this is, this is." The- this is the best uh-huh. SEC baseball. We try to convince them. Yeah, we're excited to be here. We want to win, but you know, we we want we, we we're getting ready for the next one. Mm-hmm. Just like I remember in the Superdome championship game, Florida's playing someone, and the final game on the mound was a guy who hadn't thrown an inning all year as an outfielder, and the commissioner went berserk. <laughs> uh, because why? Two, some guys are tired, but two, he's trying. He's not going to throw his number one a championship game when he's got to go. He's got to play a host to right. a regional or go on the road. 
So even even though it's a very distinguished tournament and a lot of coverage and a lot of you know you know publicity and everything, it's it's not as big as the next one to get to Omaha and the super through the super regionals. So in regard to who we pitch and stuff, if I, if it all lined up, yeah, our number one would go. But sometimes we just got finished playing a weekend and maybe pitcher went 110, 115 innings, and we're just going to back them down, just like Tim Corbin backed down Jack Leiter, which is probably a good move. Yeah. Kids get tired uh, because of the 18, 19, 20, and now with the heat of the day, I mean, you're just asking for each pitcher to give you four or five innings and then go to the bullpen. And uh, so every year is different. Sometimes we can throw a number one the first day. And, and if we're trying to get into our regional, let's say we didn't have a very good season and we're battling our RPI and we had to win at least two games at least to get to that next level. Yes, we may pitch a guy on three or four days rest because why? This is a, This now becomes the big tournament. Yeah. Now, if we already got a host site, which many times we knew, well, we knew we were going to be in the tournament. Then, you know, it's it's an opportunity for the pitchers to get work, and winning games is important, but we didn't design the rotation at all to, to win the tournament. It's just get ready for the next one. Gotcha. Ron Polk on your radio. We are live at uh, Hoover Metropolitan Stadium. It's day one of the 2021 SEC Baseball Tournament. Game one is still going on. The winner of this one will move on and face Mississippi State tomorrow. Right now, we are top of the eighth inning, Florida leading Kentucky 4-1. to one. And as we said earlier, Kentucky's out hit Florida, but it's the other column over there that means more. 4-1, to one, Florida on top right see, now. See, like Kentucky, I don't know what their RPI is, but they're probably playing for an opportunity to go to a tournament. Right. I think they deserve it. I'm sure the RPI is okay, but, you know, there's no given anymore with, like, Fairfield being RPI number eight or nine, never played a game out of the conference. I, right. I'm not a computer guy, as you know. I don't know if this RPI works very well. Uh, strength of schedule is important. I don't think playing Manhattan and Siena and Fairfield is going to help your RPI very much. Not, not quite the same as Florida and then <laughs> no. Vanderbilt and Arkansas, no. is it? Uh, no. A little bit different level of competition. In regards to the pitching, to dig just a little deeper on that, your thoughts. So if we were to look at an example, Ole Miss is going to play tonight against Auburn in the late game. And there's been some talk about whether Coach Bianco would throw Doug Nikhazy, their outstanding lefty this year. Well, Doug pitched uh, – he threw over 100 pitches on Thursday night at Georgia in a, in a win. Seven innings of shutout ball and 100, over 100 pitches. And, you know, people wondering, okay, if he does pitch him tonight to get Ole Miss into the winner's side of this thing and stick around – do you put somebody out there like that and, and make sure that he doesn't throw seven innings, he doesn't throw 115 pitches and maybe limit him? Well, that's going to depend if they're playing in the afternoon or night because of the weather. I mean, yeah. Doug McCasey is really good. They lost another pitcher, Gunnar Hoagland, Hoagland and that, that's going to hurt. That's yeah. going to hurt. I mean, not that they don't have a lot of pitches like Mississippi State. We've got 23. Yeah. I mean, we got pitchers. It's just a matter of are they, are they tournament ready. And I would imagine in Mike's case, I'm, I think and I think they get a chance to host a tournament. Too. That's right. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, I'm not telling Mike what to do. I had enough people tell me what to do when I was coaching. <laughs> that you know, if if it's you don't want to get in a losers bracket here with one of your better pitchers down, because uh, it's tough. I mean, you have to go to five, six, seven, eight, nine, and all these seven, eight, nines haven't pitched for a month, maybe in spot uh, opportunities. So, I mean, I'm thinking that uh, the Casey should be able to come back from that, uh-huh. and I would say 
if he if he wants to really who are they playing? They're playing Auburn tonight in the late game, the last game. Yeah, I'll be here. I'll be here all the way to the end. But uh, I would think um, you know, there's no gimme with Auburn. Auburn's mm-hmm. playing much better, and, and like, they really hit the baseball. Well, they could hit, and Butch Thompson and he had so many injuries. Yeah, you know, with 11 point, well, we won't get 11.7, but uh, I do want people to make sure they watch uneven baseball because it was outstanding, and I complimented Matt off air. Thank you. I thought it was professionally done, and I think it really brings attention whether people understand it or comprehend it or, or believe in it. It's the truth. Everything that was said in that. So anyway, with when you lose two or three pitchers, we're fortunate in Mississippi State we haven't had maybe one issue with uh, Kate Smith. We haven't had a, an injury to the point where a pitcher couldn't pitch, I don't think. Position player-wise, other than Braylon Skinner, couple times out. I mean, everybody's still playing. I mean, that's the key to success in this league is is managing the roster, managing your pitching staff, and that gum staying healthy. That's it, which is a little bit of the luck of the draw on that uh, in that aspect. Uh, Coach Polk, you have done, you know, I may exaggerate here, millions of interviews, a bunch of them. You've been asked a lot of questions in your life about baseball, and I think I may – uh, be about to give you the toughest question you've ever been asked. I can walk off. The, I can walk it right out of here. Yeah. Okay. And it comes. From, <laughs> it comes from Nick. All right, Nick on our text line. Nick's a fan on the country pleasing text, and he says, "If you had to get one out in a ball game, one out, you needed one out. Which one of your past players would you put in there to get that one out? A pitcher. A pitcher. Jeff Brantley. Jeff Brantley. I mean, Why, Jeff? He, he he thrived on that. I mean, yeah. but again, I mean, I got Papelbon, I got Pete, I got. Let's see, Jay Pop, Pete Young, Thigpen. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't. If they're listening, which I don't know if they are, yeah. I, I don't want to uh, castigate them at all. But I don't know. Jeff is way way back. Competes, little guy, right-handed pitcher. Yeah, it's big league for many years. If you want to strike, you want to get a swing and miss. Yeah, Jay Pock could get it. Papelbon could get it. But just so you don't walk anybody, you know, uh-huh. Jeff would come right after. You know. Good and question. How about that? Jeff Brantley. And a guy from went to grew up, went to high school just right up the road yeah, from Yeah, he's here. doing what you're doing, color broadcaster, broadcaster for the Cincinnati Reds. That's they call right. him Cowboy now. Call him Cowboy. Matter of fact, okay, Hoover High School. Um, the school that Jeff Brantley went to in high school, Barry High School, consolidated with some others to form Hoover High School, in fact. I got Jeff Brantley. He was a shortstop pitcher from Barry High School, and uh, we found out in the fall that he was not a great, great hitter. Yeah. And we made him a pitcher. He agreed to it, and the rest is history. He made yeah. a little money and got a chance to pitch forever. But uh, we used to have a lot of kids from Birmingham. Yeah. I spoke last night at the Birmingham Alumni Association at Inverness Country Club and about 150 people there raising money for the Bulldog Club and the and the foundation and uh, a lot of people there. But I told them I, we've, we've, there's been a lot of mm-hmm. people, athletes in all sports, <clears throat> came from Birmingham, Alabama. Sure. Coach, thank you so much. Good to see you, man. That's Ron Polk. Y'all stick around live from Hoover.